0: It gave me a place to go a couple of times a month to talk about what was going on in my life, but it gave me a language and a community, and it gave me friendships with people who really understand without explanation what I'm going through.
1: Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one with family caregivers to help them find responses to dementia behaviors that are sometimes confusing or frustrating in ways that work for them.
2: And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist.
1: And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: Our goal is to focus on you, the caregiver, offer some practical insights and share some one-on-one emotional support, and maybe even a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine.
1: It is, and don't forget the wine, Mike.
2: I won't forget your wine, sweetheart. You know, there's almost 6 million people in the United States that care for an ill, chronically ill, or disabled partner.
1: Absolutely, and this often changes their relationship drastically. You know, taking a devastating toll on the family. You know, we saw some of that through our care years with, Roger, even though he was a parent, that it definitely affected our relationship. You know, we often say, you know, we married 35 years, we really like each other. Um, but during that time, we had more fights, more arguments, more frustration than before or after. Um, so, definitely interested in, in talking with our guest today about the Well Spouse Association. Um, Today's guest joined the Well Spouse Association as a member in 2014 and joined the board in 2020 to focus on outreach for younger well spouses. Her husband was diagnosed with MS in 1998 at the age of 24. His disease course has been aggressive. He has needed 24-hour care for years. He currently lives at home, but he also spent two years in an assisted living facility. So she's familiar with a range of caregiving situations. We are pleased to welcome Laurel Whitman. Laurel, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us and our listeners about this very important issue. And I was so thrilled to find out about the the Well Spouse Association. Please tell us about that. I'd be happy to. Yes, and thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm delighted to be here.
0: So Well Spouse Association is what we think is the only organization specifically for the partners of people who have um, chronic illness or disability. Um, So it's about a 35-year-old organization. It was founded in 1988 by a woman whose situation was very much like mine her husband had uh, advancing MS and she was looking for a community and looking for additional support and not really finding it. She wrote a book. And on the last page of the book, she said, if you are in a situation similar to this, then reach out to me and we'll find each other. And they did. And this organization was what came
1: out of that. How do you communicate with one another? Um, And another question I have, you know, we've primarily focus on people with dementia, which is very often a long-term care situation. Are dementia caregivers included in this Well Spouse Association?
0: Absolutely, yes. So Some of the services that we provide through WellSpouse are our support groups. We run almost 30 support groups per month right now across the U.S. And so that's one way we find each other. We also do events and have programming, and that's another way that people can connect. And, of course, the pandemic has made us all uh, familiar and confident with using, um, you know, online platforms now. So that's been a terrific way to reach out to members who might not have been able to get away from their homes, for instance, in the past. Um, So those are a couple of the ways. That we connect and we, at our last count, about 10% of our members identified their partner's primary condition as being uh, memory related. So that might include Alzheimer's, vascular dementia, et cetera. But there are a lot of us whose partners have um, memory challenges as a secondary function of their disease. For instance, it's common with MS that you might have cognitive challenges that include memory loss.
1: I imagine ALS would fall under there as well. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, our our largest uh, patient population, if you will, is um, in neurological disease, which tend to be the you know the very long term, chronic, and progressive diseases, and then memory care is right behind that.
1: And. Is there support for the, not necessarily support, but interaction and help for the person with the disease as well? So we really do focus
0: on the people who are their partners. We think that's really important. You know, the medical community is obviously very focused on patients and and that doesn't go far enough for anyone, right? The system has a lot of challenges with it, but it, it does even less for the people who are partners of the diseases. We have the, um, we have the tagline that when one is sick, two need help. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that kind of gets at that, that conundrum, right? That you can, you know, that's particularly noticeable, I think, with spousal caregiving, that your relationships are such that um, it's not just one person who's so deeply impacted.
1: That we've had on our, on our podcast earlier was a, a Dr. Anike who works with people with a dementia very often FTD, mm-hmm. but I think he's one of the few care professionals that I've come across who understood the importance of the family member, the care partner, mm-hmm. and having a strong relationship with that person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you talk to us a little bit about what ha- how your situation was impacted when you found this group? How did they help you? Sure. Yeah.
0: So I found them I found while spouse at a particularly challenging point of my husband's disease. He he's had MS he had MS before we met. He was diagnosed before we met. And his progression kind of it was very rapid and it happened, you know, he went from working and walking and, you know, a partner in every way to within 3 years being in a wheelchair full time and then needing 24-hour care. And it was when he started needing that 24-hour care that I found myself very alone, very out of sync with my peers, you know, seeing impacts on my job really for the first time. It was becoming harder to hide I guess the burden of his disease from, you know, my employer and <laughs> and people I, I you know, I, I wanted to be able to kind of separate I had feet in two worlds and those worlds were starting to collide in a way that I, you know, was becoming very visible to others. And it was a very lonely time. So um, I joke with people who find Wall Spouse now that many of us find it in the middle of the night after a very late night Google search in a panic. And if you found it that way, you found it just like I did, you know, and it was tremendously helpful and it, gave me a place to go a couple of times a month to talk about what was going on in my life, but it gave me a language and a community, and it gave me friendships with people who really understand without explanation what I'm going through.
2: Now, you had mentioned that you have about 30 support group meetings each month. Mm -hmm. Are they focused on a particular illness, or is it just the general? you, You got 30 opportunities to come in and talk.
0: That's right. You have thirty opportunities. Um, all of our meetings, except for three, are all ages, all conditions, and what we feel is the important thing is the commonalities in the emotional experience, or the financial experience, or the you know the experience of living with progression and society and all those impacts. It's not necessarily the disease itself that's as mm-hmm. important. Um, and then we do have a meeting once a month for former well-spouses, as we call them. They call themselves formers. And those are people who have lost their partner either to, right. to death or to divorce, you know, in some cases. Um, and then we have a younger, well, we have two younger well-spouse meetings. And that's really the only one that we have that has an
1: age focus. And what is considered younger? Yeah, it's a good
0: question. When we get a lot, we don't put, um, you know, hard, hard and fast rules around that anyone is welcome to come if they feel it will be helpful to their situation. But most of the people are in their 30s, 40s and 50s. So it's the folks who are simultaneously juggling a disease course with family planning or raising a family or working, and they may be doing it without the financial resources of somebody who has been able to you know, get through a career and and past a career to the other side of that.
1: You know, that's one of the age groups that that I try very hard to reach out to, to say, learn about this before you need to. Mm -hmm. But the very fact that they're in that stage of their life means they're not going to think about it until they need to. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to know that it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's important for people to interact with what they consider their own age group you know i mm-hmm. have a caregiver support group that i've been you know leading for seven going on eight years and most of them are caring for p- their parents so they're 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 older people and once in a while we have a younger person come in but they just don't f- they don't feel that connection right
0: Right. That's been important to me. It's it's by no means the only thing I'm focusing on as president of Wall Spouse, but I do think it's a really important group to reach because the challenges can be a little different than folks who are a little later in life.
1: Yeah, when you have your ch- your young child, no. you know, demanding your attention and then you have this very important issue that you have to deal with with a spouse. It, you're being pulled That's right. and a job. That's
0: right.
2: Yeah, pesky day <laughs> job <too>. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So you are mostly involved in the uh, outreach with younger well spouses. Well, as
0: president, president, I, I have my hands in a lot of different pots. That was what got me onto the board uh, back in 2020, and then I, I uh, volunteered to become president in, um, I guess, about six months later. So it's been uh, it's been really fascinating and interesting talking with other caregiving groups and you know i get to do this kind of outreach which is really important i think to uh, you know I, I feel in a lot of ways i've been really blessed in this path in a way that some folks haven't i guess you know with the ability to do what i've done and continue working and that sort of thing and so it's important to me to give back so this is a way for me to do that
2: one of the things when i was looking at the um the Well Spouse Association website, and we will put a link to the website up on our show website, um, is that you have peer support mm-hmm. and it encompasses the whole range from early in the caregiving journey to the mid-stage to advanced and to- and beyond. After mm-hmm. partner, mm-hmm. yeah, after, part- mm-hmm. after the partner passes. And I think that's just so important that there's a place for everybody Mm -hmm. in the journey. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I wish I had found Wellsbus years earlier than I did. It would have had a really tremendous impact. I think even without, even if I wasn't reliant on the community in the same way that I am now, it would have given me a lot of language around how to describe what was happening and the changes to know that I wasn't the only one going through it, you know. Um, and obviously, you know, the challenges at a later stage are you know, quite it's different. helpful to have a quite different and yeah. you need as much support as you can get. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> now when you talk about the language, can you give me, mm-hmm. you know, since our caregiving experiences were very different, what language that you're talking about?
0: Yeah. So at the most basic level, a lot of us don't even identify as caregivers until well into our mm-hmm. journey, right? We think of it in terms of, I'm going to a doctor's appointment with my husband. I'm, you know, I picked up his medication at the, the drugstore because he was too tired to go out. They're just errands you're running, you know, you're not thinking of it in terms of starting to take those steps into a different role. And so that's really one of our first challenges, I think, at finding people who might benefit from an organization like Wellspouse is helping them understand that they fit here, that there is a place for mm-hmm. them here. Um, you know, so I think even caregiving is 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 kind of a funny word to use, right? And there's actually, um, you know, I follow a lot of people on Twitter in the space, and there are active discussions on what the right words are to use. You know, or care recipient, caretaker, caregiver. Right. You know, ha- so some of that language I think is is really interesting. And then it's putting words around the experience, right? I, I think I framed things in terms of my feelings just being anxiety for years. You know, I was very anxious about the things that were happening and the changes that were happening, and I didn't realize it was grief. It was anticipatory grief. I knew what was coming and how difficult it was going to be. You know, I, I didn't know the concept of ambiguous loss, you know, which is the idea of these small losses that happen all along the way in a progressive disease, that we don't really have a way to mark as a society, right? We're, we're good at the big ones, you know, you, you go to the funeral, if you can, you go to the the wedding, (laughs) you know, early on, but we Mm -hmm. don't have ways of marking these more subtle transitions um, that occur as a part of chronic disease. You know, as a small example, I had discussions recently with somebody whose partner had to give up their driver's license, you know, which is a real marker of independence. You know, you think of how you were when you were 16 years old, getting your license and what that represented to you. And it's no less uh, important on the other side if it's being taken away, you know, for reasons kind of beyond your control. So that's what I mean about having, you know, some, a common language to talk about some of these things.
1: Yes. And most of them that you mentioned are things that, you know, in the in the dementia world, we talk about as well. Um, and you know, if it's your if it's your spouse, it's very much like you said. You don't think about as being a caregiver. You just think about doing the things mm-hmm. that you need to do. It might be mm-hmm. more considered caregiving if it were your parent. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes right. it's it's your child.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a whole range of uh, of relationships that that lead to this kind of role and. Um, you know, they all have different challenges, but you know the the spousal role is or partner role um, to be a little broader is it's just so primary
1: mm-hmm.
0: in people's lives. You know, and
1: well, a spousal relationship is such a, for lack of a better word, a complicated one. It involves so it mm-hmm. involves so much. I mean, uh, originally this is my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and then it was my fiance, then it was my husband or my wife. There's the romantic part of it. There's the sexual part of it. There's the support part of it. Um, who am I without my husband of 35 years? Mm-hmm.
0: And they're right there in a lot of cases, right? It's yeah. It's very confusing. The person you you started your your path with may not be the same person, you know, much later on. And you aren't either.
1: Yeah, and we hear in sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. But we consider that's. That's what you say when you get married, but, and maybe someday way far away.
0: Yeah. It's supposed to be way in the future and not for, you know, 10 years on end.
2: Now, just out of curiosity, um, do you have a contingent of, uh, family members not, are dealing with a disabled, say child, Mm -hmm. and you have resources for that for them also?
0: No, not specifically, um. You know, we're, we're trying to keep, we're a small organization, we're volunteer run <laughs> and funding, you know, to reach different populations is always a challenge. Mm-hmm. So we are keeping our focus at the moment on that. really the spousal caregiving role. Although many of our, okay. many of our uh, members do have other challenges or parents, or, you know, that are also needed caregiving. Yeah. It's a question we get a lot. Yeah. We, we try and refer people to resources that might be helpful in that case. But we do try and keep our focus on the, uh, the partner
1: relationship. If you were reaching out to people as we are here now, mm-hmm. at what point would you suggest they find you?
0: That's a great question. I I go back and I think about my own path. You know, there were times very early on as my husband was starting to progress and our relationship was fairly new that we attended a couple of support group meetings Um related to his his disease, and not specifically to caregiving, but I wasn't ready for them. They were too intense. You know, I saw people who were much more advanced in the disease. And I, I wasn't emotionally ready to be in that room. Um, We went a few times and then, you know, I didn't go. Um, Then I found Well Spouse much too late. So it's somewhere in that middle (laughs) middle area. But I think it, I think it is important, you know, going back to that point I made earlier, it's important to start framing what's happening, I guess, as caregiving earlier. Um, And that's something I think that's messaging that's important for all caregiving organizations to, to share that, that journey probably started earlier than you thought it did. And you can always use that help.
2: So would it be fair to say, find you early, find us early. And then yeah, know that we're really. <laughs> yeah. and, and and know that you're there. Yeah. And then when you really need, yes, come in.
0: That's right. Yeah. And that's part of the benefit, I think, of an organization that has a 30 plus year history as we want to be here mm-hmm. for you. You know, if it's not today, you need us, maybe it's three years from now, or something, you know, catastrophic happens with somebody's disease, you know, we'll be here for you. And, and having those support groups, many of those 30 support groups I mentioned have met for years, decades, in fact, which is the kind of longevity you want when you want support for these kinds of conditions, because mm-hmm. they don't go away after a six-week session uh-huh. either. Uh-huh. You know.
2: So find us early, use us when you need mm-hmm. us.
1: <laughs> One of the people in, in my support group is always encouraging people as they come into the group to prepare for the next step before you need it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to kind of normalize what you're heading for, um, but also to know that there is support for you when you get there. Mm-hmm. You won't be doing this alone.
1: Mm-hmm. As as we get ready to close this, is there one tip that you'd like to share with our listeners and with us?
0: Yeah, it really is to build a community. And that, you know, that's a phrase I think it, like it's thrown around casually, but there really isn't a substitute that I have found. And I've been at this now a long time. Uh, Eddie and I have been married 20, 22 years, I think something like that. Um, there's no, there's no, um, replacement for having people you don't have to explain things to that understand, Hmm. you know, when you're taking phone calls from the hospital or, you know, you're trying to juggle all of these, um, very difficult situations with, you know, relationships and financial elements and uh, medical elements and everything's an emergency. You're waiting for a shoe to drop. It's really fantastic to know who you can reach Mm -hmm. out to and to do, be able to do that quickly.
2: That's very well said. Very well Mm -hmm. said. Um, Well, Laurel, thank you for being on the, on the podcast. Thank you. Um, I I love what you're doing. I love the support that you're providing for others. Um, And that's something that we're very passionate about is providing support. And uh, the fact that you're on our show, um, we really, really appreciate it because, like you said at the very beginning, a lot of times um, cognitive functions are a byproduct or, or a secondary thing. So, um, thank you so much. Thank you again for being on the show.
1: And Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, I took a couple of notes when we were, were talking with Laurel, and the first one that went down is, you know, having feet in two worlds and the worlds were beginning to collide. That is so much a part of life when you become a care partner or a caregiver for somebody that's dealing with something that's going to be around for a long time. And another thing was subtle transitions, you know that that phrase mm. just stayed in my in my head because sometimes things progress really quickly, but sometimes it's it's, it's a very slow decline. And um, you know, having people that you can communicate with that understand that is is so important.
2: The thing that she said that really made me go sit up and go, huh, was when she said, when one is sick, two need help. And I think, oh my God, that is so, so, so very true.
1: Absolutely. You can find more information about Laurel and links to the Well Spouse Association website on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby.
2: And I'm Mike.
1: And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: Bobby and I would love to hear from you. would love to answer any questions you might have or just hear about how you're doing. Please connect with us on our Roger That Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about us, head over to RogerThat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show.
1: Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master.
2: And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights from dramas to comedies, and all those in between.
1: Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.